There are a variety of reasons that folks hesitate to speak with a professional financial advisor about their financial situation. Today, we're going to dive into some of the common concerns, misconceptions, and myths preventing folks from creating that lifetime income plan with a retirement coach. All that and more coming up right now on Your Retirement. Welcome in to Your Retirement with Sam Welcome in to Your Retirement. I'm Jackie Selby, your consumer advocate, and I'm here with the great folks from Dual Financial Strategies. How is everyone today? Doing good, Jackie. Good. Well, you know, it's not uncommon for people to put off some of the more important conversations in life, especially when uh, we're talking about creating a legacy plan here. I know that's what y'all do, and you do it well. You craft a nice report for folks when they come to see you, and the whole reason we get on the radio here is to get that scheduled for people who are considering it and getting close to uh, the physical assemblage of their retirement plan. But it seems to me like people are very good at putting off this, and maybe they have excuses that they want to hand out because they're not used to dealing with a professional, possibly on this level. So do you want to address some of the reasons that folks uh, give you or give everyone for not seeing a professional? Yeah, I, I think probably, Jackie, the one that we hear the most is, uh, you know, I just don't know where to start. Yeah. Uh, and, and that makes sense. That makes sense that you wouldn't know where to start because uh, you haven't been retired before. This is a brand new, uh, you know, it's a brand new adventure for you, a brand new undertaking. Uh, and there are boxes that need to be checked and things that need to be addressed. Uh, but you got to start. You got to start. We just we start with the conversation. That's why we invite you in all the time for the Retirement Lifestyle Review is to give you that starting point so we can get you to point A and then through conversation, through examination, through, you know, just the just mutual chat, uh, we can start to figure out what steps do you need to do. So you got to start to start. So taking that first step is picking up that phone. As, as my mom would say, you can't finish until you start. But there are some fears and anxieties, aren't there, Andy? Oh, of course. There's always fears and anxieties. I think for a lot of people, uh, you know, one of the things that we hear is, you know, this is overwhelming. I'm not sure what to do here. I don't know, again, where to start. Or, um, you know, the classic, I think, is can I stay retired? I mean, anyone can retire. It's whether or not you can stay Mm -hmm. retired. Will I have enough money? Yeah, will I have enough money, which is far outweighed. I mean, it used to be death was the biggest concern. And um, it's certainly changed now as things have gotten more expensive and people are living longer. Um, So having it be overwhelming is, is I think a very common thing for people to feel, um, especially if you are not interested in the money you've been the saver and that's wonderful. But if you're not interested per se in how things work, um, that's okay, but you need to hire somebody who has your back on that. But I think that one of the misconceptions you all is that financial planners only work with very wealthy people. How do you handle this? Yeah, you're right, Jackie. That is a common misconception that people have, Um, you know, and wealth is defined differently by a lot of people. You know, no matter where we are, we always think, well, we're not that wealthy because there's somebody more wealthy than we are. Um, But our primary focus at Dual Strategies is to help people near retirement. So as people get near to retirement, as you get to that retirement red zone, which is like the last five years before you're going to retire, at this stage, you generally have more assets, certainly more assets than you did a decade ago because you've accumulated money maybe in a 401k or an IRA. And the goal now is to turn that pile or those piles of money into an income stream then that you cannot outlive. 
Sometimes I feel that retirees think it's just all going to go into one great big bucket, and then they're going to dip into that bucket with their little tin cup and drag a drink out every time they want to quench their thirst. But that's really not the case, is it? No, a, a good financial plan, and particularly one that is geared towards retirement, first of all, is going to be focused on income because that's what you have to do. You have to replace the income. You've been getting an income from your job for the last 35 or 40 years. Well, now your retirement savings, it's going to become that retirement savings bucket's job to provide you with an income source. So, um, you know, we often say that, uh, you know, just picking away at a pile of money um, and hoping that it lasts is not a retirement plan. Hope should never be a part of your retirement plan. (laughs) So you have to have a systematic, structured and organized process to go through. Otherwise, how would you ever possibly know if you were going to make it to the end? Yeah. And uh, possibly somebody could say to you, hey, this is doesn't sound like a fun prospect because of the uh, the other factors that we've already discussed here. Um, maybe I'm a little worried. And so I'm avoiding. It's a big avoidance, isn't it? It, it can be. Maybe I'm embarrassed or this isn't fun. Oh, classic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel that way about a lot of things. Yeah, I wouldn't say I it's like, too. you know, as fun as a barrel of monkeys, but. <laughs> <laughs> like starting a diet. Ah, that doesn't sound oh, fun. Oh, yeah. No, that doesn't sound fun at all. Or exercising. <laughs> yeah. No, not my cup of tea. Um, just go work on a farm. Then you'll have exercise That's all the right. time. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, Yes. Of course, something that isn't fun or doesn't interest you is going to make it a lot more challenging to want to take steps to get it done. Um, There are a few things that you can do to make the process easier for yourself and for whomever you decide to work with. And I think you need to take some serious time to investigate talk to I interview I mean let's face it these people as financial advisors they work for you they should work for you first and foremost if you're working with a fiduciary they work for you if they work for a company first that's a suitability advisor and they don't work for you directly they work for the company first and so consequently you need to find someone who a has your best interest b uh, works for you directly and c has the competence in the area of not being a jack of all trades and a master of none so find someone who specifically focuses on retirement and use those people because um, they're the ones that will direct you specific. There's lots of gotchas, frankly, in retirement that people don't know about. If you take too much money out, that can affect your Medicare. If you you know, are not paying attention to taxes, they can yeah. bleed you to death. Um, and let's face it, most people have their bulk majority of their money in 401ks, which convert to an IRA. They didn't possibly have a Roth option at work because those are relatively new. So consequently, all of your dollars and cents are subject to the partnership with the IRS because they're going to want their piece of your pie. So it is making sure that you have someone that knows and understands how these different things work in retirement specifically so you don't find yourself in a in a position where you are paying more money than you should be. If someone's just tuning by, we're discussing financial strategies for uh, your retirement. And it's never too early to start thinking about it and discussing it with dual financial strategies. You can get in touch with them. We'll give all the roundup information in just a couple of minutes. But just real quick, it's 866-203-7486. And I'm talking with Sam Duell, Andy Schooler, and Luke. It's Luke Venable. Listen, why don't you answer this for me then, Mr. Luke? What about the person who says, I'm embarrassed? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's really common. I mean, you could be embarrassed about a variety of things, just feeling like you don't have a, a good enough understanding, maybe embarrassed about what you've saved, maybe embarrassed about debt, if there's some debt there. Um, 
But you don't need to be. I mean, this is the time, you know, if you can be honest with yourself and just say that I need a little bit help, you know, this isn't an area of expertise and you're looking for a second opinion, looking for somebody to be an advocate in your corner. We at Dual Financial Strategies, especially when it comes to retirement planning, income planning, making sure you're set up for this next phase of your life that could be 20 to 30 years of voluntary unemployment reach out, call us because you don't need to be embarrassed. We can help educate you, not sell you, but educate you on this process and take it one step at a time. If there's a fit, we might be able to help further. Um, but let's just start with that first visit. And what about the possibility, Sam, that I don't want to lecture? Well, that's very true. I mean, nobody wants to be lectured and uh, nobody wants to be told that they didn't do something right or that what they're doing is incorrect. But And you shouldn't be because this is your retirement. This is going to be your lifestyle that's being structured for. A lecture isn't necessary um, and a professional is not going to lecture you. A professional is going to merely uh, approach this in a very open, systematic way and get you where you need to be. And you know, at the end of the day, folks, whether you've saved $250,000 for your retirement, or you've saved two and a half million dollars for your retirement. Um, none of you need a lecture. None of you need to be told what you're doing. Now, the job of a good financial advisor should be to direct you. Uh, and there have been a, you know, a, a very small amount of instances throughout my career where I have had to had what I would consider to be a little bit of a tough discussion with people uh, <laughs> where they would have uh, what I would uh, what I would consider to be champagne taste in retirement. But unfortunately, they're, you know, they're uh, um their savings and their budget was only going to allow them to drink Coors Light. So um, <laughs> you have to be realistic, but that doesn't need to involve a lecture. But it's all about just sitting down and talking about it, really. And and we find that, uh, Jackie, when people come in, uh, there's there's a lot of important topics that they're wanting to discuss. But the first thing that we need to do is just start that conversation. That's why we want to have you give us a call, come in for that retirement lifestyle review, and let's start the discussion. And there's usually three things we find that most of you are really looking for. Uh, you know, first of all, the question is, can you retire? And if you retire, can you stay retired? But then the three key issues that uh, are, are present within that decision is, first of all, we need to review your tax situation. Mm -hmm. We need to find out what are your taxes going to look like in retirement. I do an entire series of, of, of a public events on this topic. But what are your taxes going to look like in retirement? Because most people are, are very surprised and some even shocked to learn that their tax picture in retirement is going to be, in a lot of cases, even more burdensome than it was when you were working. Secondly, we've got to establish your retirement income. How much retirement income do you need? And where is that going to come from? And what's going to be the source? Are we going to use guaranteed income sources? Are we going to use dividend paying stocks? What are we going to need? But that needs to be your retirement income goal. And then third, we've got to analyze your current investments. We've got to find out where are you at right now in relation to where you want to go and then go from that point in time. So, Jackie, that's what we do at a Retirement Lifestyle Review. Let them know how they can get a hold of us, and we'll look forward to visiting with folks. Good, because you can't just stick your head in the sand when it comes to your retirement. And the show is called Your Retirement with Dual Financial Strategies. Their phone number, they're holding some spaces open for you, is 866-203-7486. They're going to give you a custom lifestyle review. You come first in their eyes. So let them prove that to you. Serving the Green Bay area through their Green Bay office, Appleton office, and anywhere in the Fox Valley that you're hearing this, 
Um, please give them a call, 866-203-7486. It's 866-203-7486. Dual financial strategies, fiduciaries, ready to help you form an income plan. What do we have coming up? Well, if you're planning to retire in 2030, there are several key strategies that you can consider to enhance your financial readiness. We'll break them down when we come right back. Welcome back into your retirement with Dual Financial Strategies. We have Sam Dual, Andy Schooler, and Luke Van Obel. Now they are fiduciaries over 22 years of experience with helping you out in the financial retirement business. You're listening to this program because you probably need a little help and you're getting close. So you might as well take advantage of some catch-up contributions. Am I right, you guys? Who wants to handle this one? I can take this one. So yeah, um, catch-up contributions apply to your qualified retirement plans, whether it be a regular IRA, a 401k, a Roth IRA, a 457 plan, 403Bs, any of those plans that you have when you're working folks that have like the weird letters and numbers after them, that's what we're talking about. (laughs) So after you go over the age of 50, you can contribute additional funds to those accounts beyond what is standard. So by maximizing those, if you were going to retire, let's say in 2030, and you're trying to get to that, you know, get to that finish line. Well, that's what it's all about. It's catching up. So for 2023, contribution limits are $30,000 to a 401k, a 403b, and most 457 plans. If you are over the age of 50, if you're under 50, the limit is $22,500. So you do get a significant boost in the amount that you can contribute based upon being more than 50 years old. If you're putting money into a Roth IRA that's outside of a 401k or a company plan or to a traditional IRA, one that you've just opened, well, then you can put $7,500 into that. The limit is $6,500 for workers that are younger than 50 years old. And one other thing that we would remind you of as you're contemplating these things, because we get this question a lot and we see it a lot. If you're contributing to an IRA, either Roth or traditional, outside of a company plan, you cannot put money into both of them Oh, up to the max. You can't do 7,500 to a Roth and 7,500 to a regular IRA. It's one or the other. Or you could do a combination of the two. You could do half to a Roth and half to a regular IRA, but the total that you can put in is $7,500. Now, I understand that these limits are kind of out of the reach for the normal person, but if you have two people working, can we go over that? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, if you have two people working, well, you have two people to support in retirement as well. So it's probably even more critical that you get that money contributed into there um, in a way that's going to allow you to have as much money stashed away as possible uh, within your qualified retirement accounts. So if you want to stash some money in, in a health savings account, this is a very unique situation. Who wants to handle this one, Miss Andy? Sure. Well, health savings accounts, I 
appreciate greatly, um, but you have to find one that you can set up usually with your local banking institution. Some banks do and do not offer them. So just check around and see what you can find. But it does offer, it, it functions more like a Roth in that any money that you put into an HSA, you have a limit as to how much you can put in, of course. But any money that you put into your HSA, it's also based on the deductible of your health insurance plan. So you have to make sure that you have a high deductible health insurance plan so you can contribute to a health savings account. But any of that money that you use for qualified medical expenses, this could be things like picking up medication from Walgreens or CVS or wherever you get your prescriptions, all the way to medical expenses, you know, paying for doctors, co-pays, visits, um, not necessarily premium, but it is anything medically necessary. So so double check into A, where you can get an HSA set up. B, it is tax free. So any money that you put in there, you can use prior to paying taxes on as long as you use it for medical expenses. It can be taken out tax free. So this can be dental, vision, um, health, anything um prescriptions, et cetera. So if you're using it for health expenses, you can pull it out without any, without paying any taxes. Well, how long can you leave it in there? Don't you have to use it by the end of the year? No. So that's different. If you have a plan through your like sponsored plan through your company, yes. that can function differently. Outside an HSA, you can keep rolling that money up and you should take advantage of uh, the limits that you have because medical expenses going into your future, into retirement times, most um, financial companies are recommending that you have anywhere from 250000 to 300 plus thousand dollars to pay for ancillary medical expenses that are not covered under Medicare or covered under your medical insurance, whatever form you're taking. So just be mindful that if you have additional money and you want to go above and beyond, you can put um, that into an HSA as long as you have a high deductible medical plan. Well, that's brilliant because I really never thought about that out of pocket in um, once you're in retirement and you're on uh, Medicare. I, I guess I'm just not there yet. I'm, I guess I'm in the financial red zone and need to get with you guys on this subject. Yes. So and you can contribute up to like seventy seven hundred and fifty dollars as family if you're on a high deductible medical plan. So um, it's comparable basically to what you can put in for a catch up Roth contribution. But um, it is different and is only usable for medical expenses without paying taxes on it. Can we review your asset allocation situation? Is Luke going to handle this one? I can handle that one. So if you're nearing retirement, you're in that retirement red zone, this is absolutely something that you should be looking at. I know the vast majority of you are probably sitting out there with IRAs, maybe some 401ks, and maybe once in a while you look at it, but you've got those limited investment options within your 401k plans. And so oftentimes it just sits and sits until you get closer to retirement, then you have discussions and you want to know what else can be done. Um, you know, now is the time to explore, you know, sort of your comfort level with risk, because what may have been true of you 10 years ago may not be true today. So you might be less comfortable with risk. Generally, as you get closer to retirement, you're going to want to pull back that risk somewhat. And especially for those of you that are 59 and a half years old and older, this can be a great time to explore um, alternative options with mm. your 401k. So many of you will have a dozen, two dozen different investment choices within your 401k. However, once you're 59 and a half, the uh, sky's sort of the limit at that point because you can take that 401k plan and move it to 
an IRA while you're still working and ensure that that money is positioned in the best types of assets and the best positioning for you given the current times and given your current goal of retiring soon. Is that what an asset class is? Is that what is meant by uh, asset classes? Yeah, I mean, asset allocation is just the, the, the piece of pie that, you know, the diagram that is put on you know, retiree statements, whether it's a 401k or an IRA, there's many different types of slices of that pie. And that's the diversification piece that you want to be built in there. You don't want to have too much of just one type of pie. You certainly want to get in touch with the team at Dual Financial Strategies. If you're listening to this radio show, it's called Your Retirement, and indeed it is your retirement. And before we wrap up the show, we still have a few more minutes to go. Real quick, I want to slip in the phone number because they're going to hold a few slots open for those who listen to this week's radio show. And the number is 866-203-7486. And uh, those spots are limited, but just, you know, I don't want to scare you or anything, but it's 866-203-7486. And you want to get with these good people to go over what your plan is really going to look like. Because having a healthy cash reserve as you enter into this situation, I mean, that could scare people off as well, couldn't it? Well, it's good to have some cash reserve when you go into retirement because you will have some expenses as you transition into retirement, maybe during that first year or could even be a little bit more than that, where it's going to be uh, it's going to be handy and appropriate to have a cash reserve. Um, You can pay off some debt selectively before you head into retirement. Um, You know, we're generally uh, open to certain types of debt as you go into retirement. I don't believe that it's necessary all the time to go into retirement completely debt-free. Mm. The The key to it is, can you service the debt that you have? One, so will your retirement income that's available to you service that debt? That would give it a, a check mark. And two, is it reasonable debt? Is it debt on a uh, a steady or an appreciating asset? For a, in other words, yeah, if you're going to go into uh, if you're going to go into retirement with uh, payments on three cars and and two boats and six snowmobiles right. and four water skis, <laughs> well, you probably need to take a different look at that yeah. because those are all uh, insanely depreciating assets. Basically, every dollar that you throw at that is essentially thrown away. But if you are carrying debt on a home, well, if you're carrying debt on a home, that's typically at least a steady to maybe appreciating asset. And I would make the argument that you have to live somewhere. It's going to cost you something to live somewhere, unless you're planning on you know living out of a tent down by the river or something. <laughs> you're going to have a living expense to put a roof over your head and four walls around you. So, as long as the debt is serviceable and it's on reasonable things. Jackie, these are all things that we talk about when we do a retirement lifestyle review, when people come in and see us and we're starting to develop strategic retirement processes for them. Uh, These are the types of things that we're going to cover. We do believe in taking a very holistic approach to this. We're quite conversational on it uh, when people come in, Uh, but we believe that we need to look at your entire financial picture, everything, and then break it down. Put it in easy to understand language. Put it in easy to understand presentations. Confirm that you're going to have enough money to last the rest of your life. You're going to have fun doing it and listen to what you're saying so that we can help you craft the retirement that you've always dreamed of and you've always deserved. So let's start by listening. We'll invite you into the office, whether it's in Appleton or whether it's in Green Bay. Call in, talk to Rick, make an appointment to see myself, Andy, or Luke. 
we'll sit down. You're going to do most of the talking. We're going to do a lot of listening. But by taking a very holistic and laid back approach to it, we can get you where you need to be. And these folks are fiduciaries. They're not going to sell you anything. So if you're listening to the radio program, just know that your first appointment is just an informational situation. Dual financial strategies. This is super important to sit down and consult with a financial advisor or a planner who can give you your personalized advice based on your circumstances. So just like Sam was saying, they're going to sit there and listen to your situation. And then they can create a comprehensive retirement plan tailored to your goals, your risk tolerance and your timeline and don't worry sam was just saying if you have a mortgage that that's not going to prevent you from getting a retirement plan together so get in there and talk to them dual financial strategies craft that fee report with them and it is for free assess your tax obligation form an income plan with professionals who are fiduciaries and have your A best interest at heart. They have to. That's why they are fiduciaries. It is required. 866-203-7486. Dual financial strategies. 866-203-7486. And you are listening to your retirement. But we're not done with the show quite yet. We're only halfway through. What do we have coming up? Well, you know, controlling expenses in retirement can be tricky. When we come back, we'll outline several ways retirement can be a bit more expensive than first thought. And welcome back into your retirement with Dual Financial Strategies. Sam Dual, Andy Schooler, and Luke Van Obel. I'm Jackie Selby, your consumer advocate. And how come, you guys, when retirement is upon people, it's possibly going to cost them more in retirement as far as tax burden is is concerned? How is that possible? Well, because taxes um, are structured in different ways for different forms of money. And what I mean by that is when you retire, Typically, almost every dollar that you have coming in the front door is going to be taxed in some way or another. IRA income, that's fully taxed at ordinary income levels, no different than the paycheck that you got. If you're selling stocks and bonds, there are long-term capital gains, there are short-term capital gains. Those tax-free municipal bonds that you have, um, those are subject to taxation under the provisional income formula for for, uh, determining how much of your social security is gonna be taxed. So there's very, very little that you will have coming in your front door absent withdrawing money from a cash value life insurance policy or deducting money from a Roth IRA that is not going to be taxable. So what people find when they retire, Jackie, is that every aspect of their life, every piece of income that they have has some sort of tax um, attached to it. And then we can't forget when you hit that magic required minimum distribution age, you're going to be forced to take distributions out of that IRA. And we have seen so many times over our careers where people end up paying a higher percentage of their uh, income and taxes than when they were working simply because they didn't plan and they didn't understand how much everything was going to be taxed and in what way. I mean, you have everything from property taxes, school taxes, right? I mean, it doesn't just stop once you get done no. working. No, that's why I said it, it actually yeah. accelerates because everything is taxable at that point in time. Yeah, and we're not even you know, not even talking about ancillary taxes where they're uh, they're taxing you for other things, but your income certainly people are shocked with how much of that gets taxed. How about the life expectancy as we once we retire? I mean, they you're gonna have to build your 
your plan according to the fact that do you think people live about 30 years now past retirement age is do you have to plan for that yes Yes, you do. I mean, you know, it's easy, I think, for most people to consider living anywhere from 25, 35, in some cases, 40 years beyond their retirement. Wow. I mean, when Social Security was developed, life expectancy was a couple years over. It was like 67. You start drawing Social Security at 65 at that time. At this point in time, people are. Think about like if that was 67, uh, we were working outside over the weekend and our neighbor, our Previous neighbor, Willie, lived across the road, pulled yep. up with his with his son and daughter-in-law. Yep. They were out for a drive. He's 94 now. 94 years old. Oh, my goodness. And still going strong. And still going quite I mean, strong. He's, he's not living by himself anymore. He's, yep. he's been off the farm now for a year or more, but... Uh, He's having a high old time in the uh, in the uh, the facility that he's living in. Oh, I bet he's the life of the party. Well, I mean, from a social perspective, and it's, there's it was a struggle for him, and I think this is true for many many people as yeah. we age, especially if you are by yourself without a spouse. It's lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, you are by yourself, and your world gets a little bit smaller and more closed in. I mean, I see this with my mom. She it's like mom she, the world just shrinks. She, you know, it's she's not, not old. She's not. Um, she's you know early seventies, and oh. yet. She is uncomfortable driving. She's having some eyesight issues. She's having some things that just make her a little bit more leery. And so consequently, the world gets smaller. You drive less. You go less places. You're not wanting to go out and socialize and do activities. Um, And that gets more and more challenging. And so... I do think there's an aspect of living in an active senior living facility that can be wonderful for many people simply from a just societal socialization perspective and activities that you can go participate in and they drive you and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's there's countless things to think about, but so many people are living beyond the insurance actuarial tables and they're raising that. I mean, we saw even when we were um, doing illustrations on insurance companies, they were they used to stop at age 100 and now they've pushed up to age 120. Yeah. It's oh like, my well, goodness sakes. Insurance companies are looking at it now at age 120. That's because people are living considerably longer. Can you imagine living to, up to 120? You, you no, folks? I cannot. <laughs> I'm well, I don't know what the stats are right now. But I haven't looked at them for a while, but the, the last time I saw insurance stats, they said a newborn. That's the reason why yes. they raised it. They say a new, newborn. a baby born today. I see has a very high probability of living well into their hundreds. Well, even your neighbor, uh, was that Sam? Sam, even your neighbor who's in, in his 90s out there working in the garden, I guess that is the key to longevity, isn't it? Have a garden. Oh, right. Well, or mow the lot right up until the time he left the farm. He was mowing his own He was plowing lawn, and mowing plowing, and yeah. shoveling his own it snow. It was harder. He did, he did go from a wood burner to... He did actually get a, he a furnace. He did get a propane tank and a furnace. he did that when he was 91 years Is old. Is that right? Oh <laughs> wow. my goodness. He was, he was chopping he his own cutting, wood? Yeah, finally quit cutting his own wood yeah. at 91. Oh my wow. heavens. My mom mowed the lawn till the end of her life too and people were like, what? LaRue, why don't you get somebody to do that lawn? She said, why? It keeps me young. Yeah. That's right. It's cute. What about having having purpose? Yes. What about healthcare costs, though, as folks are aging and medical treatments and medications? We touched on that a little bit in the last segment, but gosh, it's good good to have a pool of money and all that stuff to uh, to pull from for those treatments and medications. It is because as we age, you know, that's when the those expenses tend to creep up, and we've also seen you know the healthcare costs be some of the the fastest inflating areas. Um, and so we have to be careful because, you know, that can erode what's been, you know, a lifetime of saving mm-hmm. in retirement accounts. <clears throat> and so we want to alleviate some of that pressure 
one of the big ways that people can do that, especially as you get to age 65, 65 is still the age that you can qualify for Medicare. Um, but Medicare will not cover everything. You know, Medicare is not going to cover every single pr- procedure in its entirety. You would have to come out of pocket. There's going to be holes in there uh, that you'd have to pay for. So many people will explore some sort of supplement to like make up that difference. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do that properly, um, you can alleviate a lot of the extra pressure that would be put on your retirement accounts. Now, we'll talk maybe more about long-term care. That's a, that's a different animal. But if we're just talking about healthcare costs, um, Medicare and a supplement would be a great way to cover that. We do have Lake in our office, not to be confused with Luke. Um, that or can confuse <laughs> uh, or confuse us. Yeah, um, that can help with Medicare that he can answer questions as you're within that window of three months before or three months after your 65th birthday. Okay. You absolutely want to be talking with someone like that so that you don't have a big surprise from a medical standpoint. Right. What about the long term care? Because this is something that uh, um, some people just think they'll never need. But guess what? You might. Yes. Well, go, go ahead, ahead. Andy. Yeah. I was just going to say seven out of 10 people are going to need some sort of assistance. And quite honestly, it's probably going to be mostly ladies because we tend to live longer. Mm. And so as you are there, if you're married, um, you can help your spouse in many cases until you can't physically. But by and large, women are the ones who generally are going to need some sort of long term care assistance. That being said, planning accordingly, there are options out there. The non-traditional long-term care options may be something you really want to consider. And I say that because we have run into so many people who have bought traditional long-term care plans. And though they have great coverage, the premiums can go up and they go up. And we've seen anywhere increases from 25 to 94% where insurance companies are literally forcing people off their plans because they can't afford it anymore. So the challenge is, okay, well, how are we going to buy this? How are we going to take care of these needs? What's the reality? We tend to look at averages because yes, there are always going to be outliers. There are always going to be people that live far longer. And yet what we do is just try and plan for the best that you can do with the assets that are available to you. So from a standpoint of if that is something that is concerning, are you taking care of your aging parents? What's their longevity? How is your health? How is your longevity looking? Um, These are all things that you need to have. Now, with the non-traditional plans, um, what's nice about them is that they are life insurance based. And so if you don't use it for long term care, then your beneficiaries are going to be able to get a tax-free benefit. Uh So there's there are multiple layers that you can look at, but with traditional long-term care, if you don't use it, you lose it. And so you really do want to kind of do your research and work with perhaps someone that is looking at all these different tools that are available to you. And obviously, in some cases, traditional long-term care plans, the medical underwriting can be more challenging to qualify for. So just be aware that there are options that are out there. If you've got some high blood pressure, if you've got some cholesterol, if you, I mean, I've even gotten people through with cancer, um, post-cancer treatment. So just be aware that just because you have some ailments doesn't mean that you can't qualify for one of these situations. So 
it's Good. important to investigate that. I think so too, Andy, and I think you're really onto something. It seems to me um, there are Gen Xers and even a little bit younger who are concerned about their parents having this type of coverage, the non-traditional type. Yes. Uh, because if they don't use it, they don't want their parents spending money on something that's just going to go uh, down the toilet. Exactly. Yeah. What about inflation over time? Uh, you want to talk about, um, Sam, the cost of goods and services tending to rise, or should we uh, go ahead and launch into uh, how we have people contact you? I think we have a little more time, don't we? Yeah, I mean, people are obviously, you have to you have to allow for inflation. The one thing I do tell people, though, is uh, inflation obviously is very much on uh, the front of people's minds right now because uh, uh, it's, it's so prevalent and it's the highest it's been since the Carter administration. Yeah. Um, but that given... I also don't want to see you blow up a financial retirement plan uh, because you uh, are sitting in a situation where you are overestimating for inflation. Uh, because one thing that does happen is as people get older and you go into retirement, we find that most of them are not as affected by inflation as what um, uh, maybe younger people would be because we aren't always consumers of the same type of goods we're consuming less of those goods but these are all things that we can talk about when you come in for your retirement lifestyle review and basically what you're looking for there is you're looking for answers and we do have people that want to talk about inflation right now so when you come in we'll sit down and we'll talk about how do you prepare yourself how do you prepare your portfolio to handle risks like inflation like stock market volatility like taxation you've worked hard for your money we're going to work just as hard to help you grow it. And for many of you, the most important part is to preserve it. So let's figure out how you spend the interest, maintain the principal, preserve that money to last you for the rest of your lives. And this starts with an appointment with the team at Dual Financial Strategies. Fiduciaries uh, ready to work with you, uh, get you in the door and do the very first sit down. Nothing to buy here at this first appointment, uh, just to sit down again. Information, 866-203-7486. So give a call. Let's get on the books for you. 866-203-7486. Green Bay office, the Appleton office, anywhere in the Fox Valley that you're hearing this radio show. 866-203-7486. You're listening to Your Retirement, and we'll go over your questions next. And welcome back into Your Retirement with Dual Financial Strategies, fiduciaries with over 22 years of experience on their team. Thanks very much for listening to the radio show. I'm Jackie Selby, your consumer advocate. Now, let's go to questions from those who listen to the show. Uh, let's see. I have um, Diane's question from DePere. Diane DePere says, I have a steady stream of income, but given that I recently hit my 73rd birthday, I need to take RMDs. I'm worried about the tax spike. Is there any way to avoid this? Well, Diane, uh, obviously talking about RMDs, you're referring to the required minimum distribution that has to come out of your IRA. And unfortunately, no, there is no way to avoid the tax spike um, because that money is going to be pushed to you. Any money that comes out of an IRA has never been taxed. The money was never taxed when it went into the plan. The growth of it has never been taxed. So therefore, the government rule is that it is all taxed as ordinary income when it comes out. So 
Um, I don't know what your uh, I don't know what your required minimum distribution is, but let's say it's twenty thousand dollars. Your income is going to re- is going to increase by twenty thousand dollars this year, uh, tax year two thousand and twenty three. So you need to allow for that. And the other thing, Diane, that I would advise and would counsel you on is that if all things stay relative, in other words, let's say that the growth of your portfolio of your IRA uh, keeps up with what the withdrawals are. Okay, let's say that you have to take $20,000 out of it this year, uh, but then it grows and the $20,000 is recouped back to the principal value, if that makes any sense. Well, when you have to take your required minimum distribution next year, it's going to be higher and more than it was this year. And the reason for that is that the required minimum distribution rules are based upon life expectancy. So the longer you live, the higher the required distribution. We talk about this uh, uh, at length. I talk about this a lot in my book, Purpose Determines Placement. But this is one of the things that we tell people, you don't start planning for a required minimum distribution at 73. You start planning for a required minimum distribution at 63. And the reason why I say that is because we need to extrapolate the value of what that IRA is now, project that forward 10 years to see how much is that required minimum distribution going to be? What is your tax burden and your tax spike going to be? Because then and only then can you have a reasonable retirement income solution. Because if we don't know what the tax scenario is going to be 10 years from now, when we can calculate it very closely or someone's not doing that for you they're forgetting a step in the process and it's going to cost you money long term and that's probably a good reason to uh, possibly get in and talk to the team here diane i know uh, it might feel bad hearing that information that you should have started at 60 with the uh, rmd planning but listen why don't you get in and get a second opinion about your financial plan 866-203-7486 this is your retirement with dual financial strategies and that was sam who was responding to your question hey does everybody get a copy of your book when they come in to see you uh, indeed they do so that's one of the things we like to get that book in front of everyone i wrote that book uh, a few years ago it's in its second printing now wow um so uh, very well received it's very easy to read um, it is called Purpose Determines Placement, a guide to see you to and through retirement. Uh, so absolutely, when you book that appointment and you come in to see us, we'll have a copy of that ready for you. Super, and a nice hot cup of coffee if that's what you want. Or whatever your beverage of choice is. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. All right, Jack in Appleton wants to know, well, he says, I'm 57 with 285 grand in a brokerage account and about the same amount in my 401k. Now, I'm currently maxing out the amount that I can put in my employer's retirement plan, but with the market continuing to go down, I'm wondering if I should just keep more in cash. I understand that with the market down, I'm essentially buying shares on sale, if you will, but if the price continues to fall, I won't have that long to recoup the loss due to my age. Uh, What are your thoughts on this? Well, Jack, from a perspective of at 57 years old, um, you're, you don't have as many options as if you were 59 and a half. At 59 and a half, generally, you have some options with your current 401k plan. You'd have to check with your HR department to make sure you could do what's called a non-hardship distribution. But if you're concerned about market losses, then um, yeah, perhaps keeping a little bit more of that in cash you could do to offset what's going on in the market. But that also means that you're going to miss out if there are any, are any positive days. 
So depending on when you are planning on retiring, if you are looking at, say, a 65 years old when you get Medicare or something like that, you have a little bit of time to recoup some of this. Now, with your brokerage account, not sure what that entirely means, but you really want to offset whatever you're doing in your 401k by what you're doing in your brokerage plan. So Uh if that's a non-qualified, non-IRA account, then you may want to have a second opinion on that as to what options you have, what you can do to offset that against your 401k, which is provided by your employer. And therefore, you have less options with it because it's only the options that they are giving to you that you can utilize. So from my perspective, I would absolutely, you know, come come in, see us. We can do a review for you and just let you know what options you have with that, maybe to offset what you're doing against your 401k. So bring both. And when you do turn 59 and a half, then you have a bit more options probably with your 401k that you'd want to investigate in. Again, we want to offset what you're doing based on when you're looking at retirement, what your debt is, if you have any, plus what options are available and to you um, that you could do to offset what's going on in the market. So what do you think, um, Andy, about the part of his question that says, should I be keeping more in cash? Are people stuffing their mattresses? I'm just wondering, now, Jack, are you stuffing your mattress? I, you know, I, a lot of people are moving to more cash positions or something like a CD or we still have a lot of people that are within the market and they like the liquidity of the market uh, as an option. But just because you're in the market doesn't mean that you are going to do exactly what the S&P 500 does and you really shouldn't um, or any of the main indexes you should have an incredibly diversified portfolio mm-hmm. and diversified does not mean a jillion um, mutual funds it means different asset classes okay. and so that is going to change the definition of diversification in my opinion where I mean we see it all the time when we run um, risk lies for people and looking at what's the correlation between all of your accounts and so when you have different mutual funds that are effectively all in the same place if they're all large cap stocks they all have these different names and it looks like you've got a bunch of different stuff but if they're all basically large cap stocks then guess what if the S&P 500 goes down you're going to lose across the board Mm. so you want to make sure that you're using different tools if possible this is going to be outside your 401k so that you have um, something that will offset what's going on in your 401k and make it um, a bit more tolerable for your personal Benchmark, And so that's you have to establish that. And so that's what we use risk lies for. You can go onto our website, dual financial or excuse me, dual strategies dot com. And in the upper right hand corner, there is a link that you can click on that says, what is your risk number? Um, and it's a just a two minute deal that it'll run you through uh, finding out what your risk tolerance is based on as a one to 99 number. So if, for instance, you are you do your risk assessment and you are a 47 and we can put in your portfolio and compare that to your personal benchmark and say, all right, well, if your portfolio comes back and it's a 78, well, that's quite a bit riskier than what you may be comfortable with as a 47. So just know that there are tools and options that are out there that can assist you in finding something. And, you know, we can help you tweak your 401k so that it's a little bit closer to your benchmark or your tolerance level. And that can help additionally. Great question, Jack. Thank you so much for that. And uh, let's see, we have Daniel in Nina. And Daniel wants to know, retirement 101 question, when people give that general goal for retirement, the 75% to 85% of your working income, is that net or gross? And does that still hold true? I bet Luke has the answer to this one. 
I do. Hi, Daniel. Thanks for writing in. Um, generally, when we when you hear the the goal of 75 to 80%, that would be a gross number. So just like when you were working, the 100% would be a gross number. The 75 to 80% would be a gross number and you would be effectively living on even less than that. You know, to your point, you know, does that still hold true? Um, probably not. Um, and the, the challenge is, and the challenge when we sit down with people and have over the last couple decades is that most people, when they're going into retirement, don't want to take a 25, maybe a 15 to 25% pay cut. Mm -hmm. So what's more important, and this is a, this is a critical area in the planning and preparing for retirement is to actually calculate what have you been living on? So while you're still working, make this calculation and include some of those other non-discretionary things like those hobbies that you enjoy um, and or, or other things that you'll do maybe when you're not working. And then as you think about um, retirement, your spending needs in retirement, maybe some debt will be paid off. Maybe you won't be using as much gasoline to get to and from work if you are still one of those that has to go in. But then project out what do you think it will actually cost based on your current living expenses to live in retirement. This is a fantastic first step. Anybody that um, comes in for a first meeting with us to have a conversation, um, this will be included in one of our packets um, as kind of like a budget or just a retirement lifestyle number and is just critical to the planning for your retirement and ensuring that the money can last for your entire life. Thank you, Daniel. And we do have a question real quick from Catherine in Green Bay. After seeing my folks struggle with retirement, my partner and I have cracked down significantly. And despite being a minimum of 22 years from retirement, we're still saving over 20% of our earnings and dedicating it to retirement savings. I'm 38 and he is 35. Are we being too rigid about this? No, not at all. I would say you're doing a great job and keep up the good work because <laughs> you're going to be very happy when you get into your later years to have that money setting in those accounts for your nest egg, Catherine. So absolutely do that. Um, just maintain a good savings history, maintain uh, a good systematic way of doing that. Uh, at some point, you're probably going to want to sit down with a professional. I really don't think there's any need for that right now at your age, uh, but keep putting the money away as best you can and uh, keep keep up with a great job. Thank you, Catherine. I think that's a really, that's good to know. And they get a gold star, don't they, Sam, for, for sure. saving so absolutely. early? Dual financial strategies. Boy, are they going to do you right when you step into their office. You might as well make your appointment, especially if you're in your retirement red zone situation. What age is the retirement red zone? 55 to 65? Oh, yeah. Well, it, the age is kind of relative, I guess. We just typically say that uh, the retirement red zone is going to be somewhere in between three to five years before you're ready to retire. Super. So make the appointment at 866-203-7486, 866-203-7486 for dual financial strategies. And the number again is 866-203-7486. Great show this week, folks. I guess you're going to have Chuck back for next week's program. Well, he's out there uh, gadflying about, so we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see after hockey season. <laughs> you bet. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thank you. Investment advisory services offered through Dual Financial Strategies, LLC, a Wisconsin-registered investment advisor.
Dual Financial Strategies does not provide legal or tax advice. Investment advisor representatives of Dual Financial Strategies may only conduct business with residents of the states and jurisdictions in which they are properly registered. Insurance and annuity products are sold through Dual Financial Strategies.